As we continue in our series, Grace for Anxiety, would you join me in your Bibles to Philippians chapter 4, verses 4 through 7. Our children can join us on page 1276 of their Follow Jesus Bible. Now in our series, I've argued that anxiety is the feeling of uncertainty that we feel, that moment when we feel uneasy, when we feel like something we value is being threatened. There's an immediate emotional response. I've argued that that is not sinful, that is very normal in this abnormal world. We do not live in the world that God created, we live in the world God created and then cursed because of the sin of his image bearers. And so the world we live in is very abnormal, it is not what we were created to experience or enjoy, and uh, because of that there are multiple threats and uh, we should expect to feel anxiety, we should expect to have this this uncertainty invade our days and invade our minds on a regular basis. Um, we experience anxiety because something we value is being threatened. And I would remind you, if you don't value something and it is being threatened, uh, if it is being destroyed or if it is being uh, you know, eroded, you're not going to care if you don't value it. You're going to care, though, if it's important to you or if you place value on it. And that's very important for you to leverage that knowledge so that you can evaluate what's making you feel anxious. And getting to the root will help you respond more objectively, but it will also help you evaluate if that valuable has been properly estimated. Um, we live in a, in a day when our our values are very much shaped by the world, by our consumerism, uh, by the things that we've been taught our entire life. And so our response to those anxieties is calibrated by my worldview. By that I mean how I view myself, God, others, the value system that I've developed, and how I view all of this in the middle of the threats that I'm facing. If my view of God is that he is distant, then the threat that I'm facing um, is more imposing. Uh, if I view myself as very capable, then the threat that I'm facing, I might try and solve on my own because I view myself as being very capable. Um, all these kind of things factor in and provide a stronger and stronger uh, threat and stronger and stronger emotional responses uh, to the uncertainty that I feel. So, how I view myself, God, others, the value system I've developed, the threats, my view of the threats, all of this is affected by my own sin nature, and so all of it has a distortion, and this is what really complicates the anxiety that I feel, is that I'm looking at it, I'm, look, I mean, I'm analyzing it and evaluating it through the distorted lens of my, my view of myself, God, others, the threat, the value system, on and on. And so the fact that I'm a sinner really does complicate the feelings of uncertainty that I might feel. And so Jesus, in our text that we looked at last week, Luke 12, is calling us to bring God back into our anxiety. Uh, our anxiety usually distracts us and leads us away from the Lord. And some of this is because of our distorted view of ourselves. God and others, um, but God, Jesus is calling us to bring God back, to, re, to, to look at the fruit, 
and examine the processes, the reasoning that's going on mentally, and remember who God is in this moment, and then to bring God back into the center of our value system. Your Father loves you, and He's giving you His kingdom. So all of this is how Jesus is calling us to bring God back into our anxiety. Now with that in mind, Philippians chapter 4, Paul says, Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say, rejoice. Let your reasonableness be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Now, the Philippian church was a, a Roman church largely, and there is tension within between the Jewish and the Gentile believers. And so Paul is writing in part, you'll see in chapter 2, or chapter 1 and chapter 2, the end of chapter 1, he's writing to tell them, don't move forward unless you're unified. You need to move forward in the gospel in the unity that Christ brings. And so chapter 2, that beautiful passage of scripture that talks about the selflessness of Christ, the humility of Christ, becomes the center part of this book as Paul tells them to move forward unified as a church. Then in chapter 3 uh, and 4, he chides those who are creating division, naming people in chapter 4 who are, who are at odds with each other, calling on the body to move forward in unity. And so it's in that stressful situation that Paul is speaking. The threats from outside and the threats of division from within are creating that anxiety, and that's how why Paul is writing. And so his point is to bring them together in the person and in the work of Jesus, and to use Jesus as a model of humility and servitude. And this is even how he opens the book, as a servant of the Lord. And so I believe the message is that God has grace for your anxiety and wants to eclipse your valuables. In the book, Paul is talking about how what Christ has done for us eclipses our differences. And it's no different in this text. What Christ has done for us eclipses your valuables. And so Jesus, so Paul is leading us to the Lord who has something to give us. And in this text, it's peace. He has something to give us and wants to become bigger in our lives than our valuables and then the threats that we face. So let's go through the text. I'll try and go pretty quick. Number one, opportunities for anxiety are not going away. Now, I hate to spoil your day. We are not the first people to experience anxiety, and we will not be the last. Anxiety is a part of life in this abnormal world. And so my admonition to you is, if you've gotten relief from it, whether through medication or whether you're just you know, ignoring what's going on in your life or the threats that you're facing, there's a lot of ways we deal with our anxiety, you need to develop this process of laying out your anxieties before the Lord, as this text explains, and learning to deal with your anxiety because it is not going away. Uh, in fact, at times it will increase, at times it will decrease. 
but it will you will always be facing uncertainty. You will always be facing threats. And this comes out in the text when Paul talks about rejoicing in the Lord always and be anxious for nothing and uh, in everything with prayer and thanksgiving. These are all words that indicate that this thing, this thing called anxiety is not going away. Paul says, the Lord is at hand. Do not be anxious about anything. So that anything tells us anxiety is not going away. It's a part of life, and we have to learn to deal with it in the presence of the Lord. God has the solution. God has something for us. And remember, Paul is writing this from prison, and he anticipates more trials are on the way for the church, and we know from history that they came as Rome turned against the church and began to persecute it. So opportunities for anxiety aren't going away, and so we have to find a way of dealing with it. And one of the things Paul says is keep rejoicing in the Lord. Notice how he says that, rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice. We rejoice in the Lord. There's a big clue into how to process our anxiety, is to rejoice in the Lord, knowing that nothing can separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus. And Christ is our highest valuable. Now, I'm taking this from the broader context in the book of Philippians, because this is a large emphasis of the book. Again, Paul is saying, your divisions will be healed when you can focus on something more important than your petty differences. So when Christ becomes our valuable, what happens? Unity happens. Divisions go away. And we unite in the gospel of Jesus Christ, in the Lord, which is a constant phrase in this book, in the Lord, in the Lord. We rejoice in the Lord. We don't rejoice in our trials. We don't look at them and say, yeah, yeehaw, I've got another threat to a valuable that I have. But we rejoice in the Lord always because we're rooted and grounded in him. Because Christ is the valuable that's at the root or at the center of our lives. And when that's true, then that valuable eclipses other things and we can continue to rejoice. So Paul is admonishing us as well as giving us an, uh, an ideal of how to respond to the anxieties that we feel, to the threats that we feel in life. Rejoice in the Lord. Not in your circumstances. You can rejoice in the Lord. So anxieties aren't going away. They're going to continue. And the path to health, the path to peace for your soul, is in the Lord. And in Him, we can rejoice. But then Paul gives an admonition. Be known for your patience. Now, I love this word. Um, in, other pa in the passage, it's called reasonableness. Let your reasonableness be known to everyone. But what does that word reasonableness mean? It means yielding, forbearing, tolerant. Now think about these words. Think about these words even in the midst of our own crisis. When you're feeling anxious, what evaporates? Patience. Kindness. Being willing to put up with other people's crazy. What does Paul say? Let your tolerance, let your parent, uh, patience, let your tenderness be known to everybody. Now, 
I don't know about you, but I read that and think, how in the world? You don't know how stretched thin my bandwidth is right now, how tired I am, how much I need a vacation. Paul, come on. How do we do that? Well, he's hinted at it, and now he's going to really get into it. But notice the command. Notice the direction. Be known in the middle of a pandemic for your patience, for your tolerance with different opinions, and your forbearance, being willing to put up with the crazy in your own heart and in the heart of others. Uh, folks, when, when we face anxiety, uh, the thing that goes away first typically is our patience for others. Um, because we, we circle the wagons in our minds and we're in self-protection mode because we have a valuable that's being threatened. And so Paul is very wise in this moment, very skillful in saying, let your patience, your tolerance, your willingness to, to love people in this moment be known to everyone. All right, the, all right, Apostle Paul, how do I do this? And this is where he tells us, be anxious for nothing. He says, don't worry. And again, I'm translating that word anxious as worry. Don't worry. Present your anxiety to God. And this is where Paul starts to bring us into how to deal with our anxiety. How do I deal with my anxiety? The first thing you do is you present it to God. And to encourage us to do that, he says, the Lord is near, or the Lord in our, in our outline is present. Now, there's a question with this word. Does Paul refer to the coming of Christ, that Christ is on his way, and he's really getting close, the Lord is near, he's almost here, or is Paul referring to the proximity of Christ, that he is present with us? Now, I read the book of Philippians, and how Paul is talking about our union in Christ. He, he uses the word in the Lord over and over and over in the text. And so I view this word in its context as referring to the proximity of Christ to his people. That God, through Jesus, is near, is present with his people. And so I see it as close proximity. Certainly the Lord is coming, and certainly we are closer to his coming than ever before. But Paul is referring to the presence of Christ as we deal with our anxiety and as we deal with the struggles that we have uh, within the church or outside the church uh, in the tribalism that we face. And this is why, again, in the Lord, in the Lord, in the Lord is such an important clue in how to interpret the Lord is near. So I've put it that the Lord is present. Um, he is not away from you. He is involved in every part of your life. And so if you're going to deal with your anxiety, you're not dealing with it alone. And you weren't created to deal with it alone. Anxiety should be worked out in the presence of your Savior, in the presence of your Creator, in the presence of the one who loves you. And then he says, let your requests be made known to God. And, and I think this is really funny. Paul is saying, reveal your requests to God. And it's in that word, make known. It says, and that's literally how this word is translated. Make known to God. Not just tell God, 
but make it known. Reveal it to God. Reveal your requests to God. And my first question is, well, doesn't God already know my requests? And the answer is yes. But what happens when we feel anxious? Our tendency is to go into self-protection mode. Our tendency is not to bow and pray. Our tendency is not to seek the Lord and to make known our requests to the Lord. Our tendency is to move away from the Lord, is to move into the mind and to try and figure out what we're going to do and respond to the situation. Paul is saying, hey, Christ is with you. He has not left. Make known to him what you desire, what's on your mind. You say, well, he already knows it. Paul says, yeah, but you still got to talk to him about it. This is a relational transaction that needs to happen. And so Paul is encouraging us to tell Christ what he already knows. And this is this what Jesus said in Luke chapter 12, your father knows you need these things before you ask. So why do I ask? Because you're engaged in this relationship and there's more to receive than just the thing you're asking for. What happens relationally as you engage the Lord is more important than the thing you're asking him for. It's the peace that comes as you engage with him and his spirit confirms his affection for you, his presence in your life. So that's what Paul is urging us to do. Yes, God knows, but what happens in that exchange is more important than the request. And that's why Paul does mention our prayers and supplications. Prayers being our requests, supplications being those loud cries, those urgent moments of prayer that we cry out to God in despair or in hopelessness or in just strong desire for whatever we're asking for. Um, Paul says, make that known to God. Go to him with it. Who do we tend to go with it? Well, we tend to go to ourselves or we tend to go to others. Who's the last person we go to and why is that? God actually can give us peace as we engage relationally with him, our anxiety. And so then thirdly, don't miss the gifts and the giver. And this is bound up in that word thanksgiving. In the middle of your anxiety, what happens? Well, you get very focused. I get very focused on the thing that's making me feel anxious. I get very focused on my valuable and the threat that I'm experiencing to that thing I value. What am I not doing? I'm not seeing all the other things God's given me. I'm forgetting that God is a good giver, that he's been faithful to me for 48 years now. And now I'm worried if he's going to be faithful to me in the next year. I mean, this is what anxiety does. It gets us very distracted from all that's happening in life. You can be so worried about getting the coronavirus that you don't enjoy what you're experiencing right now and thank God for the health that you have right now or the people you're with or the experiences that you're having. And so Paul says, give your requests with thanksgiving. Don't miss the gifts that you have and don't lose sight of the giver. So you see how Paul is directing. Anxiety is not going away. We better learn to deal with it. Don't worry about these threats. Present your anxiety to the Lord. You go into the presence of the one who's with you. You make known what they already know because God has more for you than just answering your requests, but he wants to bring the peace of his presence into your life 
And then in that moment, in those moments, you cannot miss all that God has done for you and all that God is for you. Now, anxiety blinds us to God and to his gifts. And then finally, your father has peace for your inner being. Your father has peace for your inner being, what we would call your heart and mind in the text. These are not different parts of your inner being. This is, this is Paul's way of referring to our inner being, the, the non-physical part of us. I think we're two pieces. We're physical and we're non-physical. We are enfleshed souls. All right, so don't, don't get caught up in, in trying to figure out if this is two pieces. These are this is our inner man and our and our outer man. That's it. And so Paul says that God has peace for your inner being. And notice the language. Um, the peace of God that passes all understanding. Did you see that? That means to eclipse. God's peace eclipses our affections. Now look at the text again. And the peace of God which surpasses all understanding. What does he mean? To surpass understanding means to be in control, to be in the controlling position in our lives, to rise above and surpass. What surpasses? Well, the peace of God takes the controlling position in our lives over the anxiety that we feel, over the threat that we feel, over the valuable that is being threatened. So as we relate our anxieties to the Lord, he brings something into this conversation that is very unique and that eclipses the thing that has captured our souls, the thing that has captured our attention. It is the peace of Christ that rises above our anxiety and takes control in our lives. And that's why I said it eclipses our affections. Whatever that thing is that we are so worried about that's being threatened, when the peace of God shows up, it's not that we stop valuing that, it's that God's peace is so overwhelming that the threat and the valuable become less controlling. It's now the peace of God that controls, and it gets better. Paul says the peace of God guards your inner person. It guards your inner person, and the word means to detain or to garrison. These are two different words, but kind of communicate the same thing. If, if you've ever been pulled over by a policeman for going too fast and you got detained in that moment, what was happening? You were stopped in your tracks. The policeman stopped your progress. And this is what this, this picture is, is being painted for us is that when the peace of Christ comes in, the worry, the processing gets stopped. There's a halt to it because the peace of Christ has detained our minds. It has occupied our minds so that that's what we're focused on now and not the thing that we were worrying about. And then it's the idea of garrisoning is... You, God is setting up an army around your mind to protect you from the, the worry that you feel, from the anxieties that you feel. Engage in God's peace until, uh, engage God until his peace comes. And this is how Paul ends. In 
all things. Pray all the time and everything by prayer and supplication. How long do I do that, Paul? Until the peace of God comes. Pray until the peace comes. You say, well, I did this, Tim. I laid out my concerns before the Lord and I didn't. Well, keep at it. Keep engaging the Lord with your anxieties until the peace comes. And then don't say, well, great, I got relief. I'm going to move on with my life. No, keep praying. Keep engaging the Lord. Folks, we are in a relationship with our Heavenly Father through Jesus Christ, our Lord, through His Spirit present with us. Don't stop doing this. And you will see your anxiety going down as you are, your anxiety is eclipsed by the presence of Christ, by the peace of Christ, and as that detains and occupies your mind and your heart in Christ Jesus. Pray until the peace comes, then keep praying some more. What anxiety does is it distracts us from the Lord, from his presence, and from this relationship. And so you want to work to stay engaged and to make these things known to the Lord so that he can bring into that his peace. Some applications. How are you relating to your anxiety? As we've gone through this study, A, do you recognize that you have anxiety? B, how are you relating to it? How are you responding? Are you diligent? Do you have a growing prayer life through this pandemic? Are you seeing your prayer time go up, increase as you are laying out your heart's desires before the Lord, laying out your fears and uncertainty before Him? Or are you captured? by the uncertainty, or is the uncertainty and the fear detaining you? That's what Paul is focused on and wants us to focus on. How are you relating to your anxiety? Number two, how are you engaging God with your anxiety? Be honest. Are you pursuing the Lord? Are you pursuing the people of God who can speak the words of God into your life? How are you engaging God in your anxiety? Remember, there is no formula. There's no pill you can take to overcome anxiety. There is only a person who can overcome the anxiety in your life and help you deal with it and see it abate, see it start to go away or to diminish in your life. Even if you're on medication and getting help, which sometimes people really do need that kind of help. Even if you're there, remember, the relief you're getting should not keep you from learning to practice what Paul is telling us in this text of engaging God with our anxiety. It is not a formula. It is a relationship, but it's a relationship with our Creator and our Redeemer and someone whose very presence calms the wildest storms. And that's what God has for you and for your own heart. God wants to eclipse your valuables. God wants to become the sun in your universe that everything else revolves around. And frankly, folks, the more our values are wrapped around God, his kingdom, and his righteousness, the more the uncertainty and the fears of this world are just not going to detain and control our minds. They will not capture us. There will be things that still capture us that we still have to wrestle through. 
There will be losses that we still have to wrestle through with the Lord. But understand that most of us live with high levels of anxiety on an ongoing basis. And that is not how God has wants us to live. That is not how God has created us to live. So God wants to eclipse your valuables. And I can tell you from personal experience, as I have poured out my heart before the Lord with deep feelings of uncertainty and fear, that there have been times when God has stepped in and his peace has actually settled in on me and I have stopped worrying about those things I've prayed for. Now, other things have come up that I've had to wrestle through as well, but there have been times of tremendous peace in the presence of Christ. And God so wants to give you rest for your soul in Jesus Christ. And I pray that you will engage this text as you engage God with your anxiety. And know that we are praying for you, and if we can help you in any way, we want to. So please reach out to Pastor Paul and myself or any one of our elders. Father, grant your people grace as we face so much uncertainty in this life. And be with us. We know that you are, and nothing can separate us from your love. But aid us as we present to you our uncertainty, our fears, and as we cry out to you to experience your peace. In Jesus' name, amen.